This is Lead with a Question. As a company, you're amazing at you know, taking raw materials and curating them in a way to then manufacture you know, products and services. So what happens when you start to make those raw materials available to creators to make new and interesting things? The platforms that allow that to happen, that's where the magic starts. And then it you know, obviously applies to lots of other, other facets. Hi, I'm Rob Callen. We live in a time when people are seeing that the old way of doing business is broken and that leading into the future requires something new, a deeper focus on humanity, the courage to let go of power and ego, a desire to nurture the conditions for co-creation, and the bravery not to have all the answers. On this show, I, along with my friends Chris Deaver and Ian Clausen, connect with guests who embody these principles. And whether household names or not, they've shattered the status quo, often as misfits, to shape the future with others and achieve miraculous things in work and life. In times past, the process of bringing a product to market was a bit of a black box. And for many companies, it still is. Often, consumers don't really have a chance to provide feedback on a company's offering until it's already been released. But in our new climate, people want to be seen and heard. They want to be active participants in the creation of the products they use. So today, we'll spend a few minutes with a leader who's building a platform that unites companies, creators, and consumers in totally original ways. It makes us wonder, what can we create together when we remove the barriers? The conversation with Chad Reynolds on this episode of Lead with a Question. design school. So there was a beauty to being in, you know, like a four hour studio. Um, you know, you'd have two of those a day and you had a wall to put up all your work. Um, you had workbenches and it was all, all open. You had like a little instruction to get going. And then it was like heads down and then you would connect with like your classmates to kind of talk through problems. You go off in a corner with like bean bags and, um, and go grab coffee and, just kind of take take the problem to different parts of the building and then come back up and put it up on the wall. And um, you know, you kind of want your life to feel like that. There's nothing better. I went into design, let's see, in 1995, um, more because I I liked the idea of of uh, storytelling and and making things, but I I was a terrible artist, <laughs> so. Um, and luckily, the school I went to, which is University of Cincinnati's DAP program, was kind of you know world renowned for design. Um, and I was in my backyard, and they didn't require a portfolio, so um, it was all on, based off of grades, which you know was was very unique at the time for you know for art or design schools. And so I was fortunate enough to get in into that program, and then you know, build a really strong foundation for 
uh, typography, composition, um, communicating ideas, I think was like the big, the big takeaway, but then also how, how to work. Um, you know, it was a lot of studio classes and, um, I don't know, it's just empowering to not feel like you have to be the smartest person in the room. And so, you know, it's just designing ways to create kind of windows into your process to get feedback, you know, so that at the end, you're not standing up in front of everybody with your kind of work on the wall and, and everybody's tearing it down and you, you know, you feel like you feel like a loser, um, which, you know, which happens a lot. <laughs> so you learn, you learn through that process that if you opened it up in the beginning and said, Hey, here's what, here's the things I'm seeing. Um, you know, what does everybody think? It doesn't mean you have to take all the feedback, but you know, I mean, I'm sure you've been in enough kind of feedback sessions. There's always something that gives you the creative energy to take it to the next level. And so it really is just about how many times can you get feedback? Uh, and if you can get it, you know, if you get more and more and more, whatever you make is going to be the best at the end. There's something about being in the zone of just creating like pure creation, right? What you said earlier. And it sounds like you're describing this right now. It's like you wanted to do that collectively. Like you wanted to create things with others. And that's essentially co-creation, right? Is being in the zone together. And so curious, like where, where have you found, you know, since then times and places or experiences that have been definitive where you've kind of unlocked that, right? With a team or, you know, with, uh, in, in a business and you've seen that work that way. Yeah, I'd say um, this is probably maybe about eight years ago. I uh, was working with a soccer football uh, business unit at Adidas on you know taking some of their innovation forward, and we had I don't know, it was probably thirty five uh, team members you know from from the business unit, you know, working on new products, and um, we had a really I don't know, let's say breakthrough moment at the end of the day, you know, at the end of day one as far as like, have we shared any of these early ideas with consumers to get feedback? And, and the room was kind of silent and, um, you know, the answer was no. And so day two and three became about what if we opened up this process and, you know, shared, uh, the start of ideas, shared, you know, materials, sketches, like we didn't have to have it fully figured out. What if we just opened that up? Um, and that led to uh, a brand new you know, business venture that Adidas launched uh, called Glitch. Um, so it started out in, in London. Um, and we would just onboard you know, soccer players, football players, and treat them not as consumers, but treat them as co-creators. You're sharing things that I, I don't know if the brand had ever shared before and allow them to be a part of something. And, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know what the name of this thing was yet either. Wow. So, you know, they were involved in naming it, involved in like, like talking about it, the features, you know, even how it was launched. Uh, so it was, it was kind of like a very transforming moment, I think, for, for like, you know, me and also the brand to try to create things in a, in a very new way. And, um, you know, they were very brave to, to do that. Cause it wasn't necessarily a roadmap yet for it. Yeah. That's awesome, Chad. Um, and it just like, I, I keep seeing in my head this visual cause you know, for me, the art side was, you know, it, 
it was like sitting in front of a canvas, right? And it's a blank sheet and it's just me. And, you know, I found myself in art classes, like thinking about business or thinking about the process of how these things could work. But it's like, you're taking that notion and expanding the canvas, right? And then the artist is, is this collective group, right? That is creating and, and then it's broadening it to consumers, right? Or customers. I mean, it's interesting because while that's the role of a company, right? Like to deliver the products, uh, the best products to, to customers, there's that hesitancy there. Like you, you bumped into even in a great company like that, right? Where, um, but you're, you're just creating this, essentially that force, that same creative force, which is, well, what if we hand over the paintbrushes or the tools, right? To the customers as right. well. And they're, they're part of this process. They're the artist with us. We are the artists, the artists together. Yeah. It was a shared objective, right? It's like, we're trying to build the best, the best football boot possible. Um, like that was kind of the internal objective. And then the same for the athlete was how do I take my game to the next level? And, you know, performance happens like on the field, but it's also as extremely emotional, um, of why you buy into products, you know, their experiences, they kind of, you know, they're a part of you. And so I think, I think that, I think we're in a, I mean, really a transformative wave for brand building, you know, more of like a third wave. Uh, you know, the first one was really about, you know, it's kind of way back in the day of like manufacturing, I got, I'm in, in Cincinnati, so kind of home to Procter and Gamble and soap and, you know, all these things. And, you know, you would make and manufacture a product and put it out in the world and you would, you know, there wasn't really a dialogue. It was just, you were kind of consuming the messages, consuming the product, and you didn't really have a voice necessarily in it. And then this, the second wave was, you know, really when social platforms started to come on, on the scene. And now, you know, actually the people were there first before brands. And it was really about expression and connection. And so brands had to kind of figure out their, their role in that experience. And so through that, you know, through that kind of brand building, you know, came things like, you know, engagement and influence, um, kind of born out of that was NPS and, you know, how do I understand if you're going to like, you know, influence others with, with, with this experience. And then, you know, we're in like a, a totally different wave right now of what it means to be a consumer, um, where it's more about co-creation and relationships and that we have shared goals and purposes. And, um, and right now you don't even necessarily need to own the supply chain or all the raw materials, or, you know, you don't even need to know, to know how to code to build an app. So it's kind of empowering this whole new generation of what does a brand actually mean today? And, you know, a brand's role has kind of shifted and changed to be much more of empowering uh, more and more people. So not just like working with a couple influencers to, to kind of get, you know, amplify your message out there. It's more about how do I create a platform for thousands and thousands of creators and allow them, you know, the space to create and kind of do different and interesting things, you know, with, with our brand or with our products uh, to create something new. Yeah, that's right. Um, I love that you just described these three waves. It's very in, in line with our thinking and, and tiers, you know, tier one, two, and three um, from a, a work experience. 
and employees, right? How can there be like a better bridge between wave two and wave three? Because I feel like people are still doubling down on wave two so much. Right. Yeah. Um, and to your point, you know, it, it was a, you know, wave two was kind of a time frame where brands were trying to find their voice and maybe they're trying to channel that voice and messaging through influencers like you described. Mm-hmm. But what you were alluding to with wave three, it's, it's more horizontal than that. It's not some deep echo chamber. It's, it's how can we proliferate or how can brands proliferate voices of consumers and, and average yeah. creators that actually can add a ton of value to, to building something. And just to add one thought with that too, is that like, and, and in some sense, like that push to stay in that second wave has create has, it's almost like the dark side of that. It's created this, this synthetic feel of like the people that were, that were supposed to be like democratizing the experience. Like they're actually looking more fake, right. As, as like, kind of a, a synthetic version of, of them, of, of, of a person, mm-hmm. right? Like as almost like wave two is, is so scripted, right? Whereas wave three is more raw and vulnerable and real. And that's kind of the, the transition and it's hard to, yeah. Hard to navigate that. Yeah. And it's like a spectrum. It seems like between like what you alluded to Chad earlier, where a brand would take on the attributes of the authoritative figure, right? It was like, Hey, we're mm-hmm. going to push this out. And that's, and that's a lot of how businesses have operated, right? A leadership philosophy that how they've kind of governed, right? Like, Hey, we're the boss, you know, and you're, we're going to tell you who we are, what we do. And then, so power, the authority of that, and then the shift towards this distribution of power, right? Or democratization of, and it's the practice of it, right? So it's like these people are coming together. And then, and then to your point about the third wave, I think we saw it in pockets. We've seen it in pockets before that. And then now it's like starting to aggregate and gain this, this energy and strength. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big thing is, um, I mean, we're starting to see the rise of new platforms to, uh, hopefully support this, this third wave. I think right now definitely seeing the shift of kind of wave to, you know, more social media companies who are doubling down on, on that and it's definitely shifted from more of social to entertainment like social connection to now entertainment um so you've seen that that shift where you know like tiktok's more competing with netflix for your you know for your time and entertainment time than you know really connecting about like a you know building brands or building ideas together um you know so i think for the third wave to to come together it's going to be a rise of a whole new set of platforms that are um, you know more focused on kind of that authentic connection between uh, companies and, and creators um, that can facilitate more than kind of one-on-one um, engagement. Um, it's not about you know like creating a piece of content and then we're going to sponsor that content and amplify it. It's much more about you know being a part of creating the creating the ideas together, um, and it isn't. You know, it isn't an advertising video. It isn't like a, a dance video. It's it could be a product, um, and it's not just kind of sponsored by one creator. It was you know designed through you know maybe fourteen thousand feedback loops uh, with creators all over the world. 
And, you know, there's not really a whole lot of platforms out there that are kind of building that just yet, but they are coming um, and changing the concept of ownership uh, where, you know, creators could actually have a piece of ownership in, you know, in that, in that new idea together. Yeah. I love that world. I want to live in that world, Chad. Um, I think we're getting there. It's going to be interesting, really. Yeah. I mean, it's really facilitating the future of work, even though it's kind of like an overused uh, headline, but you know, when it gets down to it, you know, any, like if, if everybody is a creator and that's, that's our, our mission as a company is to turn the entire world into creators. So if I'm a creator, like I want, I want platforms to, you know, be inspired to create things and make things to foster relationships and connections. But you also want the freedom to work with different collaborators. Um, you know, and our, our idea of being an employee within a company is like, I, I put all my, all my energy into this. And then you have side hustles that kind of give you that creative outlet. It's like, well, what if that was completely inverted and you could work with, you know, seven, seven companies, uh, and, you know, create in different ways for each of them that, that really sustain you and, um, kind of get the best of you. And so, you know, I think, I think, you know, at least what, what we're building is just kind of, you know, really stop talking about consumers as consumers and more of creators. And we're also creators and, you know, how do you create these asynchronous, you know, relationships where we can create together, um, you know, in our, in our own time and our own way. Um, but I do think that this is kind of just the start of, you know, this, this future, this future of work. Um, you know, what does an employee really mean? Uh, you know, an employee versus a freelancer versus, you know, the gig economy. I think all those different things are going to be reshaped into, you know, a more sustainable future for all of us as creators. Right. I, I, I hear it referred to as the gig economy, which I don't, I don't want gigs. Not necessarily, <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. necessarily buying that the world's just going to be full of freelancers. Right. And I think a better framing is, is the word creator. Right. Um, yeah. And, and people, you know, they doubt their abilities, their creative abilities. Right. Some people are like, Oh, I'm not creative. Well, I think that's a farce. I think, I think everyone is innately creative yeah. at their core. They just may not be exercising it or be brave enough to exercise those creative muscles, but we're all creative. We all have, you know, original ideas or passions that make us unique, right? That could drive different types of creation. Right. So I think uh, along the lines of what you were just like explaining, that's where the future is headed. It's, It's these platforms and different technological tools that make it easier for us to connect as creators, right? So like it it can't be this gig economy scenario just can't be the way where companies have to go out and hire these single entities all across the world and try to build things. These, the technology and platforms need to actually make those connection moments happen a lot quicker Mm -hmm. and it's almost like work stacking, right? Just by layering with different collaborators, you know? Absolutely. And, and, and kind of building on some of the things that you've done before, you know, just this concept of like re-remembering. Right. Like everybody has that the notebook or 
you know, your desktop's kind of scattered with all kinds of like screenshots and links and bookmarks. And, you know, you, you are a result of all the things that you collected. And, and so is there a way to That's take, right. take all those interests, all those things that, that, you know, you saved, you liked, you, there's an inkling of it, an idea there that like resonated with you somehow. And so how do you take all of those things together and then, you know, help you, you know, find those connections to do something with it. Um, you know, it's just right now, if you have an idea, it's kind of the path is like entrepreneurship. So package up your idea, go figure out how to, you know, fund it, go build it, go launch it, go do all these things, which, you know, you know, is extremely hard when maybe you just thought it was a great idea and you wanted to just share it with some people who could help, you know, add on to it and, and give it a life and their satisfaction in, in doing that. Um, you know, I've, I've, you know, while I'm you know helping a lot of brands create things, I'm also coming up with, you know, ideas and you just give them away. And they're like, did, you know, did you charge anybody or what, did you get a piece of that? I'm like, no, I just wanted to see it in the world. Um, they're like, well, that's strange. <laughs> yeah. There's like this altruistic kind of undertone, right. To or undercurrent of all of this. That is a really beautiful thing because when we think about the future, you know, that, uh, that creates the possibility for a whole lot more, right. To Ian's point about abundance. Um, and you know, we've seen elements of this. I mean, you know, Dan Pink, you know, his book about, you know, a whole, a whole new mind, like he was leaning into this stuff you know, years ago. These are things that are pointing mm -hmm. towards this. I had a conversation, you know, a few years ago with uh, Jimmy Wales, you know, and he started Wikipedia, and and the spirit of that is what we're talking about, right? And it was interesting because people at the time he said he's they're like nobody's going to do this, like you're just like where's your team, right? And he's like, well, I got this person or that person, but like everybody's going to just they're going to share because people want to share, and they're going to post. And now we have right the best encyclopedia the world's ever seen online, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and millions of right. people contributing uh, in the spirit of essentially co-creation. Now it's knowledge-based, but you know, the, the, yeah, what, then what happens, you know, to your point when people take the seeds of ideas that have been, you know, building over time or marinating, or they're just interested in exploring and they just start to put it out there. Right. And there's these channels for that. Um, and of course, now we're talking to the guy who trademarked the word co-creation in like 2010, 2011. Uh, yeah, it was it was a little early. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> I didn't know what it was what it was yet. But. <laughs> yeah, so what's the story behind that? Like, how did you? Yeah, like what was Things you know start to converge? Yeah, what was the thought? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess coming out of design school, I started a, a, an agency in 2000, um, and I did that for eight years. We're doing a lot of. Uh, movie websites for Warner Brothers. Um, we started to do some innovation work uh, for some of the, you know, some of the brands at P&G, um, one of which was Old Spice. And this was back when it was, uh, your, you know, your grandpa's brand. Um, I kind of grew up on it. And, um, and so, you know, th through that work, uh, we started to do a lot of consumer research, you know, bring, you know, bring younger you know, younger consumers, high schoolers into, into workshops and, you know, you wanted to make them fun. And so, um, you started to just look at like, what does a workshop need to be? Does it have to be behind a mirror? Does it have to, 
Like, what if we just put things on the table? What if we just kind of explored some, some really ideas? And uh, through that process, uh, one of the, you know, one of the high school students said, uh, like, Hey, this was really fun, but I feel like it was a one night stand, which I don't know why, how he knew that in high school, but well, that's another story. But yeah, that, that raises um, some questions. Said, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, this is a lot of, this was a lot of fun, but I don't feel like you're going to call me next week and share, like share how this went and like, where are you taking things? And that just really resonated with me. I mean, this is probably 2005, 2006. Um, and so, you know, I'm like, he is right. You know, what we were, what we were doing all well intended was kind of like, you know, as a transaction, it was to take insights and ideas, you know, out of people and then manifest them, you know, as, you know, out in the world. And, and so it was like, well, you know, what if, we came out of that workshop and created something and we brought them back in, you know, the next week and we did it again and we did it again and we did it again. And, um, that just felt, that just felt different on so many levels. Uh, not only for us to like, you know, kind of get the constant feedback, like you, like you were in design school again. Um, but also felt different for the people involved. And so that was kind of the underpinnings of, you know, what we, what we were doing. And, and so, you know, in, I think it was 2008, you know, I sold the agency and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do something different and, you know, I couldn't get, I couldn't get this out of my head of, you know, how empowering it felt to not have to be the person with the idea. And, you know, cause there's just a lot of burnout that, you know, I personally experienced going through, going through that. And I'm like, what if I could, you know, what if you could build a platform, a product that was just about bringing people together and, you know, bring all the smartest ideas together and you, you're just facilitating and not, you, know, you don't have to like be the consultant in the room. Um, what if you could build a product around that? And so I started to do some, some digging and, um, you know, we had talked, been talking about co-creation as a, as a concept kind of early, early on. And I, I couldn't really find a whole lot of things online about it. Um, you know, it was kind of, it was just very early. I think this, this was even just the start of like design thinking. So, um, yeah, so I was able to, to file for a trademark of co-creation back in, I think it was 2010. Um, not knowing like, you know, what this thing would become. It was really just kind of a name for our, our way of working. Um, yeah. So that kind of kicked off you know, a bunch of different things and my passion for, for this space and trying to get companies excited about, you know, working in a different way. And, um, so it's been an interesting journey since then. Yeah. As you're talking about that, like it comes to mind, you know, a lot of companies, the traditional answer has been focus groups, right? You, and it goes back to that authoritative approach. We set something in front of them. It's a yes or no. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Okay. You know, but it's our idea. Right. But when you say like hey, workshop, work session, or it's a rhythm with these folks, like you're actually empowering them to be the creators with you. Right. And just like that, yeah, that artistic process of like where there's almost like, I mean, anything I cr- I've ever created or probably any artist in any medium has ever created that's meaningful for them or for other people has been when they've let go in a sense. 
right? Like they've let go to this, what's this process, the process, the magic of what's happening. And then something appears, something emerges, something manifests, but like you're, you're, you're adding to that, that that's with those people. Right. And with what would otherwise be just a customer and then they're a creator. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a lot of trust. Yeah. I mean, it used to be about, um, anonymity, you know, like when I started, uh, Verve, which is, you know, the, the current platform we're, we're working on right now, uh, everybody was like, do you have a guest mode or like you can log in anonymously? And, you know, I was like, no, like the future of co-creation is that you're seen. Um, you know, like, why would you want to be anonymous? Um, like, and, and it's really up to, you know, brands and companies to start to invest in platforms for creators to, to be seen. So everybody can be seen, um, you know, spending some time and money on making that platform nice, you know, uh, you know, I'm just going to send you a link and, you know, you can share your feedback and ideas anonymously. And you're one of, you know, 10,000 other people that may have said something, um, that, that just feels way different. Um, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of those 10,000 people who are actually seeing you, you know, there's a video, it's, it's, it's you, you know, uh, you can express ideas and, and also those that goes directly to the brand, not like through, through, you know, through another channel, it goes directly to the brand. And so, you know, I think there's, uh, you know, kind of a recipe for the way we look at those, those platforms. Um, but yeah, it takes, it takes some, some courage and, and trust on the brand side to know that this is the future of product creation. This is the future of marketing. This is the future of, you know, sales and merchandising. This is, this is the future, how we're going to make things. And, and I think the ones that are investing in that future are going to come out in a really big way. What I love about this, Chad, is, is that it's, um, I mean, it feels so human. It feels like such a human process as opposed to what was done, you know, and, and it evokes, you know, images of advertising firms, you know, uh, predominantly it's, it's all dudes sitting in an office wearing three piece suits, you know? Um, and, yeah. and there are other sort of bursts of, of, I think scenarios where we've seen this type of co-creation and collaboration, but often, you know, outside of the realm of, of advertising and, and, and product development, but it's usually triggered by some sort of, you know, crisis. So for example, I mean, the history of, of General Mills, the company starting, you know, as, as a flour mill, um, when flour is airborne, it's extremely combustible. And they had this horrific accident on, on one day when part of the factory exploded because, you know, there was a bunch of flour dust in the air. And so General Mills kind of buckled down. They, they tried to figure out a lot of, you know, safety measures to, to make things better. Um, and then as a result, they started to share all the stuff that they had figured out with their, you know, competitors essentially. And it created this, 
more collaborative environment of, you know, with human safety, this is something that we shouldn't be keeping as, as intellectual property. This is something that we need to be sharing more broadly. And so what's exciting about what you're sharing is this is more of a, um, it's, it's self-imposed in many ways in that, you know, people are recognizing, Hey, we can get a lot further by being more open than we could if we're just trying to sort of go off in a corner, sequester ourselves, and then hopefully emerge with this brilliant product. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think right now it's just, uh, starting here because there, um, I think there's just a lot of opportunities for improvement, you know, some of the methods that we were using were, you know, were the focus group, you know, the anonymous survey, like they were designed to kind of gate, uh, gate identity, um, and, and gate, you know, the feedback on ideas, you know? And so even down to when you get an email from, you know, from a, a, you know, from a survey for like NPS and it's from like no reply at, you know, the company is like, you're designing this to like, for it can go nowhere. Um, and so I think that this is really just the starting point, um, is, you know, just kind of breaking down how we make things. Cause it's just a tangible, it's a tangible object and people want to kind of understand how it all works, but I think it will have applications across, um, you know, politics, uh, government and G- like all different kinds of facets that we're seeing where, um, it's about designing the platforms for people to create with, as opposed to let's just launch a new campaign. Um, and I hope it resonates with people. So I think when you start to look at like that, like you're, you know, as a, as a company, you're, you're amazing at, um, you know, taking raw materials and curating them in a way to then manufacture, you know, products and services. So that's, that's a well-oiled oil machine. So what happens when you start to make those raw materials available to creators to make new and interesting things? Um, so it's just kind of reframing what, like, what is a company? Is it, you know, just about owning IP and, or is it more about, you know, all the hard work that went into creating manufacturing and creating and sourcing new materials that, you know, you know, Kind of the 30 people on a product team, you know, they're, they're working really hard to come up with like the best things that they can, you know, but what if that opened up to 3000 creators and you're just open to more ideas and, yeah. and you're spending a little bit of time on, you know, not just those, but also like what others are imagining. And I think, I think those are, those are the, the platforms that allow that to happen. Um, I think that's where kind of the magic starts and then it, you know, obviously applies to lots of other, other facets. Yeah, I think what, what we're working on, um, you know, are just creating, you know, establishing creator profiles for people, um, and then matchmaking, you know, based off of different passion areas that you have. Um, and then providing, you know, providing a way to communicate that's, you know, more asynchronous, uh, more video based, uh, to really express, how you feel about certain topics. Like, you, you know, we're, we're living in the video age. Um, so I, you know, even trying to write out an idea on paper or like on screen and, and share a Google doc is, it doesn't always come across. Right. 
So it's very, very different when you're speaking it and talking through it. And uh, so I think, you know, what we're trying to do is, um, you know, create, uh, you know, have a profile for a creator, then, you know, collect a lot of information around like your interests and, and, you know, passion areas where, you know, you have the most ideas, you have the most thoughts, you have the most fun, like, you know, it has to be rewarding for you. And then match make that with, with brands that, you know, have those opportunities for you to create, um, you know, so we're working that side with creators and then on the brand side, you know, working with them to, to tee up this new, you know, what does this look like? Is, is this, um, you know, pointed at like product feedback? Is it pointed at, um, you know, kind of new, new ideas to like amplify and sell? Is it, uh, you know, where is all this feedback going and how do we absorb it and how do we take it and, and internalize it and make, make change, make things different. So I think, you know, for us, we're working on both sides, both sides of the fence. Um, because that's, that's really where it's going to come from the video piece. I can't speak, speak to enough because it, you know, it's, it's, the, you know, it's, those are the things that move the needle is people talking about them and saying them and not, not a chart. Yeah. You're like, you're revving up the engine, right. Of the revolution. It is. I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, we started to do was like, you know, just look at the pain points or friction to how we engage with, with companies today or brands. And, you know, the easiest example is that, you know, the email you get after you buy something, um, you just like share some feedback and, you know, you're, you know, you're on your laptop getting the email. You're not like, like, it's not right after you used it. It's not there. Like it's just disconnected. Um, so we, we said, well, how do we, you know, how do we, you know, products like we've got like my Yeti tumbler here. Um, you know, whenever you buy a product is kind of dead on arrival. Like there's no way, like there's no way it's, I'm not connected to this. And so we started putting like our QR codes on product and said, so, well, how can we make this product have a connection to, from you to the brand? Like I'm using it and it'd be amazing if I could just, you know, use the QR code, uh, and immediately share my feedback, like while I'm interfacing with it. And so, you know, I think just concepts like, like that, you know, I mean, that's really kind of metaverse. Um, you know, I'm not trying to transport myself into a different world. This is where I live. It's just, I don't have a layer. I don't have a layer to this world that allows me to create these, these connections like right here. Um, and so we started to launch, you know, these perfect QR codes on product. And I'm like, you know, when, when I'm using it is really when I experience the, the frustration or the pain point or the idea of like, Oh, I wish I could do this. So I think it's building that bridge like on product, um, to give you, you know, give you that immediate you know, kind of spark. But then all on the other side is like creating that channel for a brand directly so it just doesn't go into the ether. It, it like goes to, to a team that was very decisive to say, Oh, I want to engage creators like at that moment. Yeah. One of the benefits of the arts and having that background or that experience, which you know, a lot of people do, but there's a lot of people who don't, right. Um, is this kind of level of comfort with the raw material, right. And actually comfort level with the process. And so, you take something like this, what you just said, 
for leaders or people who've done this, done the other version for a long time, how do we raise that comfort level for them to say, you know, yeah, this, this is the way, right. And to get, uh, as excited at, about it as, as, you know, as, as we are. Yeah. I mean, I think the first step is, uh, it's allocating your know, resources to create space for that to happen. Um, you know, I think that's kind of like the rise of like innovation labs and studios. Um, like you need to create a different environment for some of these, some of these things to happen. Um, they may not happen in your kind of traditional office, you know, office environment. So, you know, I think it's taking a step to create space, um, putting resources to it and, and really bringing some of the, you know, some of the ideas or your objectives of what you're trying to do into that space and opening it up. Right. I, I think too, um, another, another way to go about it as well, because I, I think there's a, an adoption curve for many traditional leaders. Like I don't think, I don't think many leaders are going to be open to creating space. Although I think space is, you know, and autonomy for people to, to be able to create together is crucial. Um, I feel like everyday people, employees, wherever they're at, you know, they, they feel like they need permission sometimes to be able to act outside of their scope. And I think more people need to act without permission. Now, granted, you're not going to go and do something that's going to be detrimental to the business and make, make profits suffer or, you know, totally change the product without approvals. But there's a different approach that we could take in how we work with other people. And you don't need permission to do that. You don't need permission to, you know, step up as a leader and to be even a better leader. And so I think it's to start small, right? Smart, start within, you know, your work environment that you currently have, right? Peer to peer, you know, the people across the cubicle or people within your department um, that you work with through Zoom, you know, start to make changes on an individual level with how you show up. And, you know, the work that Chris did at Apple um, and VMware, you know, that's how it started. It was grassroots. It wasn't a HR sanctioned program, right? Or it wasn't like C-levels were like, hey, let's do this. Yeah, we totally embrace this. It's almost like we have to show existing leaders that this can work and, and show it on a small scale, you know, show that co-creation can work and by the fruits of what gets co-created, right? Um, you know, just like that, the, the simple feature of a QR co- uh, code on the product itself or the packaging, like it takes something like that to get their attention, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's not, not an easy, an easy answer to it, but I think the, I mean, it all starts with just invitation. Um, you know, that, that's what we're trying to just instill in all the companies we're working with is, you know, provide an open invitation to people to show up, um, and then, and then give them a window into why, like why they should show up, why this is going to be valuable to them, um, and benefit them. Um, you know, I think to your point, like, yes, it starts very grassroots. It starts with, you know, one person that grabs, 
um, you know, grabs a coworker and shares an idea and like, you know, it's, it's not crazy anymore. If you have, if you have two of you, um, and it can start really small and saying, Hey, we used to do things this way. It was very closed and, you know, it was about a not anonymity. And what if we did this? What if we just reimagined it in a more, you know, a more collaborative way or inviting people in and, and those, those kinds of things. So I think all of the, you know, kind of the platforms available to us, I think they can all work in that way where, you know, even like conferences of the future can be more collaboratively uh, created. Um, you know, and it's very different than how they work today. Um, but I think those are the platforms of the future are going to enable that to happen where, you know, they're, even creators coming together and creating their own, their own conferences, their own meetups and experiences like that's been happening for quite some time. But, um, you know, I think the rise of some of these other platforms will, will make that a much more common, common experience. Yeah. Some of what you're getting at or what we're getting at is you know, shifting or changing people's view of themselves, right. As, as, a co-creator or taking on that role. And we know that at the deepest level, when people see their role differently, that's that that can create all kinds of behavior change that, you know, on the surface is way harder to do. Um and I think we're getting at you know some of that question. Part of it is as you said, the invitation, right? Opening up the invitation. Hey, you're a co-creator, right? Own it. And as Ian said, no permission required, right? Uh and you know, that's true, right? Whatever role people are in, I, I heard it from a Disney executive when I was there. I was wondering, I was trying to navigate the place. And he's like, look, 30 to 40% of what you do is the required stuff. You go 60 to 70%, you're going to make it up. You're going to invent. What, what, what are your passions? What are you interested in? What do you want to build? I was like, okay, game on, right? And, <laughs> and, and it, it, it didn't, you know, it didn't necessarily take that permission. I was I was doing a lot of that already, but it really clarified for me. And the other thought with that, you know, to the point about Apple or you know some of these other companies, you know, Disney itself, like there's a reverence for creators in those places, right? So Apple has their studio, their design team, Johnny Ive, these guys that you know, men and women who sit around a table. And by the way, at least historically, it was a table that fit that whole team of just 20. So they're like the local Jedi and, you know, tribute to Steve, right? When he came back, it wasn't just, Hey, Steve's back. It was Steve. The guy that has the heartbeat of design is back. And that reverence for that team permeated everything else so that you have engineers who are thinking like creators, right? Granted they're doing engineering and they're running through, you know, a thousand different models of, you know, numbers and equations, but they're thinking as a creator. And part of it had to do with that reverence for design, for being a creator. And at Disney, it happened with the Imagineers. Uh, and, you know, with Pixar, that team too. It's like, if they came in a room, it's like, oof, the hush goes over the crowd, right? Like we, not just we care about, deeply about what they do. We're, we're interested in their wisdom. We want to gain from that. And then here's the what if, right? Well, what if companies unlocked that and empowered, to your point, all of the people they have just thought about as 
selling products to in the past as creators and they reverenced them that way. And then what happens, right? Like that is a whole different right. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we launched, uh, it was about a, a month and a half ago. We launched, uh, one question we put out to, uh, you know, all the creators on our platform. It was mainly around, around footwear. So we do, we do a lot of, a lot of work with you know, footwear brands. Um, it was around, do you feel, uh, valued, included and supported in the current experience with kind of like this brand, brand X, um, yes or no. And then a video around why, why or why not. And it was pretty amazing to see just with that one question, um, you know, all the different concepts that came out of why they felt, you know, why they felt that they, they were included and what, you know, the brand was doing throughout their products and marketing and services and the whole experience. Like, what was that connection like? Um, you know, and not, not like a sliding scale of like, you know, on one to five, like it just comes down to, do you feel included or not? And, and I think some of the, you know, really interesting innovations that have, you know, come, come out of asking that question. Like we, we launched, you know, new, uh, skincare brand, uh, with Unilever, um, around, you know, people who didn't feel included in the, in the beauty care industry. Um, and so, you know, when you just ask that simple question, you're going to identify, you know, like a group of people who just don't feel like your brand is for them. And, you know, imagine you were able to start there and say, well, why, why, why do you, why do you feel that way? What, what could we be creating together where you do feel included? You do feel empowered. You do feel I mean, that's really where growth is going to come from. Um, you know, it's not selling just, you know, the same customer over and over again. Like if you buy just one more thing throughout the year, it's really about activating those different you know, groups of people who don't feel included. This episode of Lead with a Question was produced by me, Rob Callen with support from my co-hosts and BraveCore founders, Chris Deaver and Ian Clausen. The music you heard was composed by Ian as part of another project he's involved in called Moon Machine. Dave Arcade created our podcast cover art. Special thanks to Chad Reynolds for giving us a glimpse into the future of creation, feedback, and collaboration. To dig more into Chad's work and the Verve platform, head over to verve.co. That's V-U-R-V-E-Y dot C-O. And we'll also link to the website in our show notes. If you want to learn more about the work we're doing at BraveCore, you can check out our website at bravecore.co. The Lead with a Question podcast is a production of Brave Core LLC. Thanks for being with us. Oh,